like a boss. Estás en Toronto, Alpha. Live from the FantasyFootballShow.com studios. It's the Fantasy Football From the Fantasy. What's up, everybody? I appreciate you joining me for today's episode of the Fantasy Football Show. We've got a lot of news to dig into. Um, I'm going to hit the intro and then we're getting down to business, talking about specifically these four guys right here and a whole lot more. So let's go. From the FantasyFootballShow.com news desk, here is your breaking news. Subscribe if you're new. Punch the thumb up button on the way in the door. 60 people already waiting here for breaking news. I love it. We're going to we're gonna explode this year, guys. And it's because of you. I work for you. And I'm here to deliver the news. And we've got a little bit of news to talk about. Uh, Antonio Gibson's feeling a little bit risky right now, I have to say. We already felt that way. Uh, consensus, right? We all kind of felt like, okay, Gibson's worth a risk maybe in the fourth round. Feels kind of good there. He started falling to the fifth round. We started getting even more excited. I still like Gibby in, in like round four or five, not really early four anymore. Or I did. And I don't know how I feel right now because he continues to worry me. He continues to worry the heck out of me. And here we have a report that uh, from the athletic, and it's always the athletic that has these reports. There's a lot of athletic reporters, so that it tends to be one of the reasons why. But you know, sometimes they speculate a little more than the average bear. But this report here is a little worrisome because the report suggests that Brian Robinson is expected to handle the short yardage work already. That is early. This is early on to be hearing stuff like that. And if you're a Gibby, you know, owner or prospective owner or dynasty owner or, or you know, you've already drafted a redraft early, Gibby's a concern right now. If you take away his goal line work, uh, you know, McKissick takes away some of the PPR work. What's really left for Gibby? Can Gibby really deliver on even a fourth round level expectation if Brian Robinson's getting the goal line work, McKissick's digging into all the other stuff? You still got Jarrett Patterson. You got a you got a plethora of running backs that are kind of vying for for workload. I'm kind of feeling like Gibby in round five, which is crazy to say, but that's where maybe I take a, a, a gamble. But after that, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm on board anymore. I think I'm jumping ship on the Gibby train. Not that I was on it like full go. But I was like, you know, I was here for it. Fourth round, I liked it. I mock drafted it a lot. He seems like one of those emergency running backs you can draft in the fourth round if you go heavy wide receiver, early quarterback, early tight end, or or just wide receiver, wide receiver, whatever, in one running back. And you're like Gibby sitting there for your RB2 or your late RB1. You know, one. I don't like it anymore. I don't like it anymore. Give me Brees Hall every time over Gibby. Gibby. Give me, give me ETN every time over Gibby. And, and I already felt that way, but I feel like a lot of people didn't. I'm not going near Gibby unless he falls to the fifth round. I'm just not. It doesn't mean I'm going to be right. It doesn't mean that I won't regret it a little bit later, even though I won't care because the player I'm getting, I'm going to like just as much, if not more. I, I just think he's not a safe pick anymore. I don't think he's safe. I think Brian Robinson already potentially being talked about. Again, it's rumors. We don't know what's real, what's not. Uh, a lot of smoke right now, uh, a, a lot of a lot of mixed signals coming out of, of camps, but I'm not feeling this right now. I'm not feeling it at all. So Gibby, currently at this moment in time, my man, yeah, Monty over Gibby, rock out. I agree. 
Gibby at this moment in time? You've just been Smitty Disapproved. Uh, Rockout says Monty, and and I can't fault him there. Uh, Walker over Gibby, not at the ADP, but at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's going to end up being the case, but we get Walker in the in the eighth round, right? This whole this whole Chris Carson news is really, like, prayers up for Carson. It bothers me that that news came out for the health reasons for Carson. But it also bothers me on a whole nother level because it, it's making people rank Walker higher. And it, it, he was a non-factor. He was not relevant at all. He was not taking any work away from either Penny or Walker. And now everybody's like, they're treating it like Gronk retiring. You know, like, oh my God, Evans, put him, vault him up four or five more spots. Why? It didn't do anything to Evans' value. And, and Carson retiring had nothing to do with the, the top two running back spots. Carson wasn't going to play. And even if he played, he he wouldn't play long. He wouldn't stay healthy. I, you know, that bothers me that Carson... Carson's retirement affects Walker because it's irrelevant, but it is. So, yes, the answer to this question, the Bruce, is yes. I do like Walker over Gibby, but not draft-wise. Walker, he must stay in round seven. You want to move him into round seven? Fine. If you're picking at 6.11 and you just don't want to take the chance at the two turn picks and you want to shove him into 6.11, whatever. Don't tell me about it. Keep him around... Seven, lie to me. Tell me you got him around seven. Don't be grabbing Walker any higher than you have to. You're going to ruin his ADP. We are headed to the moon with Kenneth Walker. We have to be careful not to adjust and mess with his ADP. Thank you, the Bruce. Uh, Gibby, you know what? Yeah. I mean, Gibby, we know where we're sending Gibby, ladies and gentlemen. I hate to do it. You hate to see it. (laughs) You hate to see it. But Gibby, young man, you are headed to... And off he goes to the planet known as Uranus. Uh, Gibby, I'm sorry to do this, young man, but you are on Uranus. And that's that's a shame. That's quite a shame. <laughs> Poor Gibby. Poor Gibby. So talented. But you know what? This was kind of obvious. Like, can I tell you? Can we backstep and kind of reverse engineer this? Why did Gibby fail? And he hasn't totally failed yet, but why is Gibby set up to fail? He has no track record of being a running back. None. Except for in the NFL. He has no track record of being anything in college. None. 105 of you in here, punch that thumb up button. Get that 40 up to at least 500 likes. Do it for your boy, Smitty. No track record at all. How many receptions did Gibby have in college? Total, total, his whole college career, about 30-something. How many rushing attempts did Gibby have in college? Total, his entire college career, 30-something. He literally had 30-something carries, 30 receptions, and he gets shoved into a starting running back role in the NFL. There's a reason why that almost never works because you aren't proven the track record, the pedigree, the resume. You can hold up as an every down back. You can withstand injuries and and you're time tested. You don't have any of that when somebody comes out of nowhere. You don't have any of that. And this is proving to be a reason why you've got to avoid 
the temptation of thinking this is an outlier when when history and stats tell you Gibby will bust on you. He has no track record to be a, a starting running back for a long period of time in the NFL. And it's like we're seeing it unfold before our very eyes. The exact thing screaming at us. Science. It's like science, like Jesse Pinkman says. It's like science, bro. Practically science. It's staring at us in the face. The writing's on the wall. Okay? The writing's on the wall. It tells you Gibby didn't do it in college as a running back. Gibby didn't do it in college as a wide receiver. Why is he going to do it at the pro level? It's exciting. It's fun. We all kind of fell victim to it. I did warn this at the very beginning of it all, but then I climbed a little bit on board because Gibby's exciting. Gibby's fun. He kind of did it as a rookie, and you're like, okay, 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 okay. I, I, I think I'm going to buy into it. Uh, rock out with a super chat. Going to Washington football camp this week. boy, rock out. Please report back and let us know. Jake the Snake has joined the YouTube memberships. Appreciate you, Jake the Snake. I will put that link in the in the in the in the chat right now and pin that bad boy. So let me let me grab that YouTube memberships. Here comes the link, everybody. Grab a hold of your some of that YouTube membership action right there. Get your emojis. Hey, Jake, throw out a couple of the new brand new emojis you now have access to. Maybe the the Brees Hall, the Avatar emoji for the highest super chatter of the year, which no one has knocked them off. I mind you. Um, and and, and uh, let's see, Hod Prime says Washington has a lot of talent. They do have a lot of talent. They do, but but they don't have the quarterback play. I really hope that the running back talent, led by apparently now Brian Robinson, Brian Robinson, Gibby McKissick, and, and and hopefully a little bit more upgraded quarterback play out of Wentz. Hopefully this gives Hall, uh, Hollywood. Hopefully this gives uh, Scary Terry McLaurin the movement in space and and game flow and red zone opportunities and in red zone opportunity red zone and and in and, and goal line even to opportunities hopefully it gives them opportunities all over the the field i really 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 uh do i offer live draft assistance yeah go to the fantasy football show.com my good man this right here this right here go to the fantasy football show.com as you can see on there all the, the plethora of options, the articles, the rankings, the bull predictions, the trade calculators, the text advice. And then also, if you scroll down, you will see you can you can uh, secure an hour draft call with your boy Smitty. So absolutely, go do it. Do it live. On to the next player. Um, that's going to that's gonna do it for Gibby and, and Brian. Now, Brian Robinson, do we like him later? I mean, I guess we kind of do. Kevin Williams has upgraded his YouTube membership to the $9.99 plan, which allows him access to the two video calls we do every Sunday at halftime in the morning games as a group. All the $9.99 people we jump into. We jump into a video call where you could have your camera turned off and your mic turned off. You could just watch. But your boy Smitty turns the camera and angles it at the marker board, and we write out who are the top pickups of the year. Uh, who are the top pickups of that week? Who are the best trade candidates? We do a Zoom video call at halftime of the morning games, the first set of games on Sunday, and at halftime of the Sunday evening game, the one night game. We do it halftime. Two video calls. That's what you get when you upgrade your YouTube exclusive membership. That link is pinned in the in the live chat, and we owe this gentleman a round of applause. Yeah. 
We also got, you know what, Fallon? Let's give you a round of applause. For that super chat you just dropped. The super chat by Fallon says, JD is going to have a big year in Washington, uh, and Ramondre is already getting first-team reps. Yeah, we're going to talk about Ramondre in a minute. Ramondre Stevenson might be... Maybe the moon. maybe headed to the moon. We'll kind of hold off a little bit, save some of that fuel. Fuel costs are, are very expensive. We might need a little bit more out of Ramondre, but he's he's buckling up, getting in a shuttle, ready to go, potentially at least to the space station, the holding station, before we send him to the moon. But Ramondre Stevenson is looking pretty, pretty good right now. And we lo- I loved him last year. You'll, if you if you look at my content, he was one of my my you know win a league draft him late guys, and he did pretty good. He didn't get enough run. We wanted him to get more starts and more run. But when he's out there, he looked phenomenal. If you remember back his rookie year, and Belichick loves to to run rookie running backs. You remember back his rookie year, this guy looked absolutely monstrous out there in the preseason. In the preseason, ripping off long runs. I knew this guy was special. And, and they may even trade Damian Harris if there's even a suitor. Because uh, Bill drafted more rookies. And, and he loves his rookies. So, uh, it's possible. The uh, Brian says, I think you're sleeping on Penny. Not giving him enough respect, man. Well, Brian, that's, that's your opinion. And I appreciate your opinion. But uh, I disagree. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you want me to say? I, Penny's an injury-prone player. He's got talent. He was a first-round pick. But he's taken this long to get going. I don't think he stays healthy. He's Some players, bro, you just get a sense of whether they're capable. At this point in his career, capable of staying healthy on a lengthy, full-go season. I don't see it for Penny. The odds are stacked against him. A lot of people love underdogs. I don't blame you. It's kind of fun rooting for an underdog. It's kind of fun rooting for somebody that's been counted out because we all feel like we've been counted out in life. That's why the underdog's such an attractive player to root for, and I get why a lot of it happens. I do it too, but we have to look at this objectively. You have Kenneth Walker, one of the most talented running backs to come out of college in some time. And if you say that's not true, I'm using facts. I'm using stats. And if anybody says it's not true, they're using just their their heart or the the inverse of using your heart or or any kind of logic when it comes to predicting or looking at a college player coming out. He literally is one of the best prospects coming out of college we've seen in a long, long time. At least in a handful of three or four. All the all the stats are are just absolutely insane. Uh, number one in force missed tackles, I believe. It, I think it's one or two. Uh, no, number two in yardage, number one in force, force missed tackles. Um, dude is electric on film. He, I don't care about the fact that he didn't pull in a lot of passes because he was busy running for 150 and 200 yards on the ground each game. So he didn't have a lot of time to pull in passes, not to mention they didn't ask him to do it. It's not like we see that he failed doing it. He went to the combine and looked electric. So I get where you're coming from, but there's not a lot of positives in your argument other than Penny looked really good last year and that he's going to open up as a starter. Those are two big things, I'll, I'll, I'll admit. But you have a guy that you draft as one of the better prospects to come out in a long time. You drafted offensive lineman. You're clearly gearing up the future for the run. And Penny's not the future. Penny's going to be gone. He's, on, he's got this one year left on his contract. Could they try to extend him? Sure. Might he want to stay because he, he rebounded in Seattle and he feels like this is my home? 
it could happen. It could happen, but they just drafted Kenny Walker, and you don't take draft capital that high if your plan isn't to potentially use the player. And and I, I just I, I think that if you're using your eyes, your eyes should tell you that both are good, but Walker is elite capable. He really is. So I think, Brian, you're sleeping on Kenny Walker. You think I'm sleeping on Penny. Let's get the popcorn ready and let's meet up at the at midseason and talk about this, Brian. But I appreciate your opinion either way. And you bring it with, with class, you know. You could come at me and say something negative. You could try and tear a, a, a topic or a, a stance down. But no, you came in, Brian, with a good, like, clean argument. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And you do have some things on your side. Would you take Javante running back one? In what, redraft? Dynasty? Like, of course you can't take him as the running back one. You'd be leaving so much value on the table. He's a second-round pick, which is absolutely... You've just been Smitty approved. Absolutely amazing. Like, I'm ecstatic that he's a second-round pick. If If you throw away the opportunity to draft this man... As a second round pick because you hear me talk him up as a potential number one overall running back in fantasy football 2022. He could be the number one running back in fantasy football. He could be the number one running back in fantasy football. Smitty, you can't say that. I can say it and I did and I will. And I'll continue to do it because it's my show. And I'm using my eyeballs and my gut instinct to bring you what I can like I do every single year. That is one of my gut calls. That is what my gut is screaming. He's the number one, two, or three running back in 2022. I feel like it's inevitable. I feel like the writing is on the wall in this case as well. Now, do you take advantage of the fact that everyone else feels like this guy is not the not ready, not in a position to do well? Worried about Melvin Gordon? You you bet your bottom dollar, my Globe HR com. That you better take advantage of Javante's value and you can't take him as running back one. Now, if your question is dynasty, you still can't take him running back one. You have to use ADP, a blueprint, not to draft off, but to draft around. Manipulate ADP, use ADP to your advantage because ADP is a blueprint, not of what you should do, but what others are going to do on average. And it's very, very powerful. So take advantage of ADP data and draft around it, manipulate it, use it to your advantage and clean up in your draft. Uh, all good questions though. Okay, so now with the next topic, this kind of this is kind of two two players in a row here. Okay, you've got you've got Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is not practicing. DK Metcalf is not practicing. These two individuals are holding in. They're not holding out. 146 of you in here, please punch that thumb up button on your way in the door. Hit that subscribe button if you're new and wipe your feet at the door. Let's get those those feet wiped at the front door. DK Metcalf, is, he, he's holding in. Debo Samuel, he's holding in. What does that mean? Smitty, are, what are you trying to say? Hold in? What are you, Pam? Pam or Pam? Are you saying Pam or are you saying Pam? I'm saying Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf aren't holding out they're holding in for anybody that doesn't know what that that term means it's where you show up so you don't get fined you you hit the field so you get paid you don't get any kind of fine you're not holding out but you're you're not practicing you're either a little banged up oh i got a little tightness in my hammy i'm gonna go ahead and sit this out quarterbacks do it could do it have a, a more of a potential of doing it 
for the long term. A guy like Debo, a guy like DK, look, if they don't play well, the contract they want probably won't be there anyway. DK may, probably a little more than Debo. Debo, there's a lot of concern about. He did it one year. Is he, is he going to continue to be that guy? And if he held in for a long period of time, let's say he didn't play week one or something, his value would go down and the objective of holding in wouldn't work. So he's holding in very, very temporarily. He's trying to get this deal done this week. He's trying to get this deal done tonight, tomorrow at the very latest. Debo wants to be on the field. He's running around doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But he's not going to go out there and put his body at risk until he gets his contract. And I don't blame him. So I'm glad he's there showing up, holding in. DK Metcalf is showing up, holding in. I kind of feel like these deals might happen side by side because it feels like both of them are on the verge of being signed. I know that both teams want to sign these players. Both players want to sign and get paid. They've been itching to get paid. But both players are probably getting lowballed a little bit in their mind. And I don't know who's getting more lowballed. I don't know if DK's being offered $45 million guaranteed instead of a 54 to $59 million guaranteed amount of money that he is, I believe, easily slotted for given the A.J. Brown deal, which I think was between 57 and $59 million guaranteed. The per-year money doesn't matter, guys. Everybody keeps talking about $25 million, $27 doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. What matters is guaranteed money. What is the player guaranteed? And if A.J. Brown got between 57 and 59, you're going to look at, you're going to see that uh, D.K. Metcalf is going to command 55 to 59. Now, maybe he's being offered 55. Maybe he's like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna try and squeeze out a little more. I'm going to hold in for a couple days, see if I can get them to come to the table and put another 5 mil down. Because $5 million, that's a house. You know, you, you think, oh, why not just sign and get into camp? Like, if you get them to budge a little bit, that's a house. That's a couple houses. That's a boat, a house, and a, and a log cabin. That's a log cabin on the moon. To the moon. I, I mean, that, that's we're talking about millions, you know. So, I think both these guys are trying to get a little bit more. Now, what are the odds that the Niners are lowballing Debo more so than the Seattle Seahawks are lowballing DK? We don't have numbers. We don't know what the contracts look like. Since we're not hearing a ton of negativity out of either one of these camps, like, you know when you're at the car dealership and you you literally, you show up, right? And and you you have good credit and you walk there, you walk to the, to the table with the guy and you walk to the table with the guy. Why is this? Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Focus, focus. There we go. You, you get to the table and, and the guy goes, okay, you got an amazing credit score. You got a 780 credit score. Absolutely phenomenal. Great job. Okay, we're going to we're gonna do this in 72 months. Uh, and it's going to be a $689 payment. Okay? And you're so offended because you've done your homework. And you're, you're literally, you know that you're deserving of a, in, in, in commanding a, a $299 payment, a $325, and the dude throws down this disrespectful $689. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You just want to grab, you just want to lick your hand and smack the guy, pull a shirt over his head and knock him over. Like, that's how upset you are. And you get up, you go, you go like this. I'm out of here. And you, you get up and you walk away from the table. That's what Debo did. That's what everybody does. You get up, you walk away, you leave. Okay, you get a phone call. Hey, no, we, 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 got, a, we got a better offer we can send you, okay? And you come back to the table. 
that's what Debo's hoping to do. Get get the call back. But the question is, did they offend him so much that he gets up and walks out? I think based on not hearing anything from either camp, very quiet. You know, the contracts have been contract talks have happened. They would probably be wearing that on their sleeve if something was god awful lowball. So I think it's I think they're close. I, the one thing that, about Kyle Shanahan or, or it was John Lynch that came out and, and talked talked about it said I don't want to get anybody's hopes up and get anybody excited about a deal happening right now. So they seem like they're far apart. But I don't see how either one of these guys actually like miss any time at all. They're getting their contracts. The only thing I could see happening is they, one of them, probably Debo more likely than DK, even though I don't think this will happen. This is a worst case scenario. I think both of them get signed in the next week and both of them show up. Everybody's happy. I think they, they could both sign the same day. Okay. This could, ha- this could happen on the same day. But my thinking here is this. If there is a one of these two that gets lowballed to the point where they can't sign the deal, let's say the Niners give him $42 million guaranteed. Debo, we're going to give you $42 million, which would be a spit in the face. Debo's the most valuable player in the NFL to his team. You could argue that he's not the best wide receiver. Nathan, appreciate you, Nathan. You could argue he's not the best wide receiver in the league. For sure. For sure. But you can't really argue he isn't the most valuable wide receiver to his team in the entire National Football League. So if they come in and give him anything less than DK is going to get, and DK is going to get probably the same, hopefully, that A.J. Brown got, and and you got sharing agents here, so a lot of numbers are going to probably be very, very close anyway uh, because the na- the nature of an agent working with multiple players getting similar deals, these guys are all very similar in talent. Uh, but if let's say the Niners come in at 42 million guaranteed versus what should be about 55 to 59, okay, that's shame on the Niners if they come in in the 40s. Shame on them. I don't know that they have. I'm not trying to cast blame on them yet. But if they do, shame on them. And if Debo's not accepting 55 to 59, he's got to reset his expectation level and get to the table and ink that. I think he's just trying to get that extra house. You can't blame him. If if you if you're getting offered fifty seven and you think you could get fifty nine million, I know it sounds like one to us to us laymans. Let's see. Let's take a look at the board. Fifty seven and fifty eight. That is that equals or sorry fifty eight minus fifty seven equals one. But guess what? That's one million dollars. <laughs> so it's a house. It's a it's a couple houses to these guys. Maybe it's one house to a player. It's a big deal. So he's trying to eke out a little bit more. But if anybody's getting lowballed, probably Debo. And if Debo gets offered 40, he's going to bank on himself, come back and play at 4 million. You might say, that's dumb. What if he gets hurt? Look, it isn't smart to pass up on $40 million guaranteed money. But these players believe in themselves. If you were in the NFL and you were as good as Debo, if you were as good as DK, if you were as good as any of these guys, you would be, you'd be confident enough to say, I'm going to go out there one more year ball the hell out and I'm going to get 70 million the next year they're going to have to franchise tag and trade me and I'm going to sign a new deal and when you get franchise tagged and traded you're inking a bigger deal than if you stay and sign because the team that's acquiring you is going to offer you a whole lot more to lure you over because you could literally say you could tag and trade me but I'm not playing for you 
teams really overpay for a player when they acquire them in a tag and trade or in a trade and a sign and trade or a trade and sign. You know, you you get traded in 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 in, in principle, and then then the 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 extension gets announced immediately, like with Devonte Adams traded. Then you find out what the new deal is right away. So I believe Debo would bank on himself if that's the case. But my prediction is that both of them end up getting their new contracts and showing up. So don't worry about that. Here's the next uh, piece of news here. Hollywood Brown, uh, Kingsbury Cardinals coach, doesn't expect Hollywood Brown hamstring uh, to be out for very long. This is not great news, but it doesn't really mean anything yet. This is not a crazy, like being put on on the, uh, the, 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 the non-football injury list or being put on the, the active PUP doesn't really concern anybody too much right now because sometimes it's like a paperwork thing. You're not on the field anyway. Let's, let's get a couple guys out there that we can look at. Like there's a lot of different reasons for, for, for doing something very short term like that, even when you don't expect the player to be out long. So in the case of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we can't make really rash decisions fantasy football ranking wise until we know if it's a serious issue you know is he going to be back really quickly is hollywood brown going to be back really quickly maybe maybe so we got to kind of pump the brakes on overreacting and we also have to keep tabs on it and monitor the situation because what if hollywood brown has some lingering hamstring issue and if it's big if it's lingering walking into week one that's a problem so, uh, yeah, so Hollywood Brown, keep an eye on him. But as of right now, I'm not overly concerned. Um, let's go ahead and, and hit these uh, these voice messages. Appreciate everybody here today. I work for you. Hit that thumb up button. 161 of you in here. We're going to get in the twos and three hundreds when the season starts approaching. We're in July. We're still in July. Wait till August 1, August 2nd, August 3rd. We're getting these numbers. We're pumping these numbers up. These are, these are amateur numbers. We got to pump these numbers up. Just like in in Wolf of Wall Street. Pump the numbers up, baby! It's voicemail time. Drop a voicemail at the Fantasy Football Show on the gram. Tell your grandma. This message is from the Bruce. What affects the team? Yesterday's move, what affects the team worse? Does Chris Carson affects Seattle and Kenneth Walker moving up, or does Julio signing with Tampa uh, affect all the other Buccaneers receivers up? Uh, which one affects the teams more? That's a great question, the Bruce. Um, I think Chris Carson affects he affects Walker more than Julio affects anything, because everyone's expecting Julio, for the most part, to be no kind of like draw on Evans's value or or it could get Gage's value. Like I think if it affects anybody it'd be Russell Gage, which could make Gage very cheap. And the fact that we don't from a from a, a logical perspective, don't believe Julio's gonna stay healthy, right? We don't. We don't come on. Someone in here let me know in the chat if you really believe Julio's gonna stay healthy all year. And if he does, they're going to have to make sure they feed him properly and not overfeed him. You can't overwater this plant or it's going to break. It's going to crumble. It's got paper-thin hamstrings. The leaves are paper-thin on this plant. You can't overwater it. And if you don't overwater it, he can't produce at an older level. Let me give you an example. Zeke Elliott. Everybody loves Zeke Elliott. Okay? You got Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott is in a position where he's lost a step. Okay? He's not as good as he used to be. 
It sounds like they want him to be the starter, like, without question. Like, that news even came out today. There was a couple reports on it. So Zeke Elliott's in a prime position to try and prove naysayers wrong. And you could categorize me as a naysayer to a degree. I still believe Zeke could do well per start. I just don't know. If you back down Zeke's workload at a lesser version of himself, he will produce less stats. It's very, very, this is very logical stuff here. Like, follow me. So if Zeke Elliott's lost a step, he needs more work than ever to get back to his old top five to eight running back numbers. So last year, he was very borderline in the top 10, but he made it in. He did really well at the beginning of the year. He struggled at the end of the year. He had the injury, the PCL. We all know he struggled with injury, so you kind of almost got to give him a little bitty, itty bitty pass. But at the same time, this guy's over 1,800 total carries if you include playoff carries. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of mileage. There's nobody in the NFL that has even close to 1,800 total carries on their career that's relevant and currently in the NFL. So he's on that, he's teeter-tottering on that drop-off stage. Zeke Elliott, whether you believe in him this year or not, whether you're one of the people out there drafting him in round two, and we got a a super chat from Cheryl. Thank you so much. Uh, Let me know if you have a question attached to this, but I appreciate you dropping that. Um, Let's send you to the moon. To the moon. Appreciate you. Um, Where did I go? Where did I go? But Elliot's got to be overfed and overfeeding him will break him. So it's a double-edged sword. The same thing with Julio. In order for Julio to really take anything away from anybody, you've got to feed him a lot because he's older. He's lost a step. He's going to require more work to get to the same numbers and he's going to get hurt. Double-edged sword. Gage is a guy that's going to drop Mike Evans, I don't think he affects Mike Evans. Maybe a spot, maybe one draft slot because people are I don't know, fickle about it. I don't know. But I would definitely say that if anybody's affected, it's Gage. And if 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 anybody's affected most between these situations, Seattle and the Bucks with the Julio and Carson news, it's probably Kenny Walker. Kenny Walker, we're already having a tough time letting people know you're wasting you're wasting upside by drafting Kenny Walker any earlier than round number seven. If you take Kenny Walker in five because you hear me talking him up, talking about him being a top five to ten running back, and you're taking him in round five, you're missing the point. You don't understand the assignment, and you're leaving value on the table that can help you win your league, and you're de- you're devaluing him, you're putting him at a higher risk level, his upside's lower, and you're ruining the opportunity you have staring you right in the face to get Kenny Walker in round seven to win you a league, or at least 6.11 because you're afraid that turn guy's going to take him. Like, whatever. Lie to me. Tell me you're taking him around seven if you take him at 6.11, but you cannot take this man in round five. Thank you. Appreciate it again, the super chat. So, good question to Bruce. With McLaurin going into the third round, who are we taking in the third? McLaurin or Brees Hall? Um, I mean, I love both of them, and I feel like there is a world where you can own both of these guys. I I think Hall's got a, a more likelihood of falling into round four than McLaurin does at this point. And McLaurin was a staple in round four. 
Hall and McLaurin were the best fourth-round picks for a while together, side-by-side. And then McLaurin signs this extension, and then you have people just talking about him a little more. Like, all right, McLaurin, signed a deal. Let's talk about McLaurin. Let's put a McLaurin video out there. Okay. McLaurin's good! And then, boom, everyone's like, okay, okay, I remember McLaurin. Oh, boy, get on my horse. Let's draft him. Then people draft him a little higher, and his ADP climbs. And before you know it, McLaurin's now embedded in round three because he signed a contract with a pen. He didn't do anything on the field more to deserve it, even though he deserves it. There's nothing that, that signifies this guy shouldn't be a third rounder, a piece of news coming out. It was pen to paper that caused McLaurin to jump from four to three. Now, Brees Hall, I don't know, one little piece of news from the coach, like this guy is going to be a Hall of Famer someday. Like something weird like that, or... or I, I, I wouldn't shock me. This guy's in every down back. This guy's in every down. Without even talking about the workload divide. This, the, the coach, OC, maybe the ball boy, somebody, water boy, somebody coming in. The announcer, maybe the peanut, peanuts, cracker jets, anybody coming in saying, this guy's in every down back. Okay? Or Smitty saying he's going to the moon. And to enough people see the show. Anything can move this guy from round four into round three as a staple, as in every round three drafted player. Um, To answer your question, I'm very long-winded today. I'm drafting Brees Hall over McLaurin on average, even if I've got to reach into round three. I don't really care if I'm reaching into round three because guess what? Herbert might be there. Instead of Josh Allen and McLaurin, I'll take Brees Hall and Herbert. Or if I want to wait on a quarterback, I'll take... Brees Hall and three, maybe McLaurin falls to four and you take you take McLaurin, but I'll take uh, DK Metcalf or Waddle or whoever, and DK Metcalf's now falling to round five, so I don't even know if we take DK in round four anymore, or we might be leaving value on the table. D- DK's a steal right now. Every single bit of risk of Geno Smith, and uh, you know, I, I get tired of hearing that. Like, DK Metcalf before, before the quarterback situation looked very bleak and unreversible, okay? So they traded away Russell Wilson. We weren't sure, was there going to be an Aaron Rodgers deal? Was there going to be some other quarterback trade? I mean, there's talk about Kyler Murray. Like, no one knew for sure what was going on in Seattle, right? Once it became officially official that it's going to be Geno and, and Drew Locke time in Seattle, and that's it, that's it, plain and simple. Then it was like, DK Metcalf is a big risk and he can't be a top 25 overall pick. It's gonna, He's going to be hard-pressed to get there is what everybody was saying, right? Smitty, he's, you can't like DK. He's We can't judge him in the top. We can't rank him in the top 25 anymore, Smitty. He's borderline 25 with Russ Wilson there, right? He was a late second rounder, but now we can't trust him. He falls into mid three. He falls into the top of four. He falls into the mid four. We can't trust him as a top 25 player, Smitty. He falls into the very bottom of four. Now he falls into round five, but people keep saying, just can't trust DK as a top 25 player. No one's adjusting and adapting. At some point, guys, we got to recalibrate. We got to recalibrate. Just like your car, okay? Your car's like this. It's driving down the road. Low tire, low tire. You fill it up. Now the car's straight as can be. But your your calibration says your low low tires. You got to reset it. Sometimes you got to drive into the dealership if you don't know where the button is. But you can reset it on your dashboard through your settings, and then boom, everything's recalibrated. Everybody knows what time it is. For some reason, 
No one recalibrates. And you got this situation where everyone's talking about DK uh, being an, uh, an avoid or somebody you don't want to go near because he's got risk attached to him. Who's he, who's throwing the football to him? Doesn't matter. Geno Smith proved they have a pretty good connection. DK is the kind of wide receiver that could survive jump ball situations and do really well. Maybe he won't be as good. But guess what? You're paying fifth round value. Why are people talking about DK Metcalf being a risky player? It's going to be tough for him to be a top 25 player when he's going in round five now. Round five. Absolute steal. Jim. Hey, Smitty, what are your thoughts on TJ Hawkinson this year? You know, a lot of people are really high on the potential of the Lions offense. People are high on Swift and high on St. Brown in the long term of Jamison Williams. But I really don't hear a lot of people talking on TJ Hawkinson. He's going into year four. He should be completely healthy. Can he be a top five or six tight end? Or do you see him kind of being outside of that? He could be. Um, I don't rank him there. There are just a lot of tight ends I like better. I'm still, I'm still, not that I would draft him higher, obviously, okay? But I'm still wanting to own at the cost of entry versus the cost of entry on Hawkinson. I'm wanting to own uh, Fryermuth. I'm wanting to own Dawson Knox. I'm wanting to own Goddard. These are all tight ends I just like better. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I'm going to draft him at the right value. But I like him better. I do. Push comes to shove. I just like him better. And I think Knox is going to outscore Hawkinson this year. Does Hawkinson have a lot of upside? Look. I had Hawkinson ranked higher than anybody across hundreds and hundreds of analysts the year he broke out. Him and Waller is the reason I ranked one there that season in tight end rankings because of this man right here. And I felt like he was going to have a monster breakout year. But a lot of times what happens, and this this will probably happen with Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, your boy Smitty, has been beating that drum and that mallet longer than anybody on the internet. Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz. And now he's in the fifth round. And it's like to the point where like you almost can't even draft him in round five because there's other options, you know, that you can take that have that similar like explosion value in Knox and Fryermuth. But once Dalton Schultz, if you can get him in round six still, he's a steal. Once he has the year I believe he's gonna have and be a top two to three tight end in twenty twenty two, guess what? He will, like a lot of these tight ends that break out, not be someone you draft the next year because now they climb into a very high territory. And we're all about on this show, and I'm about it, is finding the next TJ Hawkinson before he becomes TJ Hawkinson. Talking about Fryermuth, talking about Goddard, talking about Knox, talking about, used to talk about Schultz. Now Schultz, everybody loves him. I still love him. I still love him. Dalton Schultz is one of the moon men. So how could you not like them? The moon men dropping loads in outer space. Space monsters. He's a space monster. How could you not like him? But there are better values at the cost of entry. This one's from Kenny Powers. Hey, Smitty. Can you rank these four tight ends for me? Gusecki, Irv Smith... Fant and Henry. Gesicki, Ersmith, Fant, Henry. Um, probably, I would say, Irv Smith. And, and and you don't hear me talk about a lot about Irv Smith. I think people are hyping him up a little too much. But man, 
we we can't we can't be ranking these other questionable situations over him. They're all really close, though. I mean, Fant, I want to say Fant, but we don't know what he, what's in store for Fant. Like Fant, talent wise, but he's also struggled a little bit with injury. Now, as a questionable quarterback situation, could see a QB change at some point. I don't think that'll be consistent. Irv Smith probably Gesicki maybe next, and it's just kind of a those are all avoid tight ends for me, bro. I, like I, I'm gonna have a different option. I have Fryermuth in round ten or Knox in round nine or ten or eleven. Knox goes in a weird range of nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Like I'm not putting myself in that position. I'm just gonna tell you right now, Kyle. Hey Smitty, what's the line of sand for Lenny this year? What's the best you think he finish and worst case scenario for Lenny? Did you and say Lenny? do it live. Do it live. I think he said Lenny. Uh, Lenny Fournette in round four. And you can like, ah! Probably going to get a couple of people to they'll do that sound, you know, that. <laughs> Leonard Fournette. <laughs> He's not falling to round four. Yeah, I know, Bob. That's where my line in the sand is, Bob. That's why I, w- like, exactly my point, Bob. I won't own Fournette in 2022. Because I, my line in the sand is below his ADP by by a lot. This guy's going in the second round. And I know he's slimming down and everybody's getting... Ex- Look, excuses. Defense defense mechanisms. Everybody's playing defense on Fournette. Let me tell you, it's getting better. It's getting better. You're talking yourself into Fournette. You're talking yourself into Fournette. Do I like Fournette a little bit because he plays in Tampa? Because he plays with Tom Brady, because they gave him a new contract, yeah. But do I would I take him in round two? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, would I take him in round three? A <laughs> little quieter, but it's still there. Round four? I don't know. I mean, this is where my line is. But guess what? I'm drafting Brees Hall over Leonard Fournette every single time. I'm drafting ETN, ETN over Fournette every single time. I'm drafting Joe Burrow, who I take in round 5-6 over Fournette. So the question's tough to answer because my line in the sand probably is round 4, but I still like some guys that go in round 5 better than Fournette. And I know everyone that loves him is going to be like, Smitty, he's got to... I don't care. Like, I don't feel it. I could be wrong. I might be avoiding a guy that's going to have a great year. But my gut tells me that the disappointment, the pattern recognition of this man, what we've seen him do, the disappointment over and over and over and over, your your defensive stance on him over and over, guys. You 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 Fournette lovers out there. Your defensive stance, I get it, but it's defensive. You're playing defense. He's going to get lighter. He's going to be more motivated. He's going to catch footballs. He's not going to be disappointing. He's going to hold off the younger, stronger, better hands in Rashad White. These are all defensive tactics that you're deploying. And your boy Smitty's standing on the top of the hill going, I could be wrong, and all these things could play out the way you're telling me, but you're down there, and I'm standing up here in, in Safeville. Taking a Brees Hall, who, here's Smitty, Brees hasn't proven anything. I'll take away your ammunition. I don't care. I know Brees Hall's got what it takes. My eyeballs told me so. I don't need to play the same game at every turn. Not everything's the same. Not everything's apples to apples. Brees Hall's a rookie. You can predict things for people before they do it. It's the nature of everything we do. And you're allowed to have Fournette in your second round if you want to. 
I'm not having him in my second round. I'm not having him in my third round. And I'm taking Rashad White from all of you Leonard Fournette drafters. I'm sniping him away. And I'll be the one owning Rashad White when it's Rashad White season, who happens to be the moon man. One of the moon men. Dropping loads in outer space. You, you really think I'm going to take a guy anywhere in a draft when I have his backup as one of the moon men? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, man, this Lenny Fournette stuff is out of control. Out of control. I just don't even understand it. There's, there's, It's all defense. It's all defense. Let me try and defend him. Coming to, to, coming to work, 260 pounds dropping footballs, and he's got to work hard at an older age. At an older age which is not good or healthy for your body. At an older age, he's got to drop LBs, massive amount of LBs to get fit. He's going to be susceptible. His body will be a touch weaker. That's not good for your body when you're going through a camp like he's going through, when you're going through all the workouts he's going through. Dude's more susceptible to injury right now, this very second, than he was at any point last year. And he struggles to stay healthy. Hey, Smitty, what's the line of hand for Lenny this year? Uh, Kenny. Fant came into the league as a guy who everyone thought was going to stretch the field. He wasn't really used that way in Denver. Drew Locke actually spoke about it the other day, how he thinks that in Seattle he's going to be used more of a deep threat. If that's the case, how do you see that affecting his value if he's actually used properly? Um, You could talk a talk all you want on, on getting him the football downfield, bro, but you're going to have to have this quarterback situation ironed out, and, and Dino Smith's got to prove he can do it for a full year. Locke's got to prove all the doubters wrong. I don't, I don't really feel great about anybody but DK, who I know can go up and get a football better than pretty much anybody in the NFL, aside from maybe Jamar Chase, um, maybe a couple players you could you could spout off. But like this is a guy, DK, that could probably jump higher than anybody in the NFL, uh, or at least in the wide receiver category. And and, and to me, that that's an easy, you know, okay, this guy's going to survive in a bad situation, whereas I don't know about Lockett, I don't know about Fant, um, the running game's even a question mark if they can't move the football down the field. That's why Kenny Walker's got built-in risk. And if you don't take advantage of that, you, you aren't understanding the assignment. Like, that, if people take Kenny Walker in five and then tell me, Smitty, you better be right on Kenny Walker. I took him in five. I took him in five, Smitty. You better be right. They're not listening. I, I respond back. I'm not getting in that boat with you. You made your own bed. I, had, I didn't tell you to take Kenny Walker in round five. I've been beating this mallet over and over and over telling you you're making a grave mistake not taking advantage of the built-in risk that Kenny Walker comes with. I'm not a fan of this fan, you know, situation for this year. Doesn't mean I I'll be right. I could definitely be wrong, but I'm definitely not uh not buying into it. Kevin. So I had somebody who I'm in a fantasy league with on social media tell me that there is no way Trey Lance finishes as a top 18 quarterback and instead of arguing i just told him take to a lap. take a lap take a lap out. take a lap am i smitty approved to tell people to take a lap take a thanks lap. for take the lap. super chat giddy up take a lap take a lap yeah um look this is what this is why your boy smitty brings psychology and fantasy football together fantasy football and psychology you know your boy smitty can dabble in it i do have a degree in psych 
So I'm allowed to dabble a little bit, okay? And this is why I bring psychology into the situation. If analyzing this, two things are happening. One, people are scared to be proven wrong when they've taken a stance over and over and over. Trey Lance is top five to five to seven. Top four to seven. He really does. Top four to seven. But we'll put it at five because I'm not knocking one of these four quarterbacks out. Upside from a fantasy football perspective. He's got the best situation we've ever seen a quarterback get handed that has his amount of ability. And for him, like this whole argument that Jimmy G's a winner and that Jimmy G's proven and all this, like the Niners carried him. I don't even understand how people really believe that. Jimmy G was a, he held the entire team back the entire time. Like, pre-ACL, maybe you had an argument to say this guy could have developed into what everybody seemed to think he was. He's not a winner. He's not a winner. The team was a winner. The team carried him on their back. He was one-dimensional. Jimmy G was one-dimensional. If anybody thinks that Trey Lance is a lesser talent than Jimmy G, I, I can't help that person. They're long gone. They're so far gone if they think Trey Lance is in a better talent. Like, even remotely better. And he's going to walk into this high-powered situation and what? Not produce top 10 quarterback numbers? Are you out of your mind? And if you do see him as as good a talent as I do, a potential Patrick Mahomes, a potential Josh Allen, and you can say all you want. You can't say that, Smitty. I can I will. It's my show, and I just did it. He could be the next Patrick Mahomes. And if you don't like it, enjoy the show. You're I'm not mad at you. You're not taking a lap. But it's absolutely asinine to overlook this kid's ability, his situation, marrying the two together, and looking at the potential outcome that he's looking at. Okay, this outcome is one of those, in a worst-case scenario, he does what Jalen Hurts is doing, where he's producing top five to seven fantasy football numbers, which is what most everybody watching right now cares about. And then maybe you critique him as an NFL quarterback. You're never going to win a Super Bowl, whatever. That's your worst-case scenario. He delivers on the field because of the arsenal of weaponry at his disposal. And maybe you question his ability to to lead the team or whatever. But let me tell you something. This guy's got the moxie. He's got the leadership. He's got the ability to command all of the men in the locker room. He's young. He's 22. He can't even rent a car yet in some states. And this dude's already commanding a football team. And people are already judging him and saying he's going to do this. He's going to do that. He came in and won a very high-pressure situational game that had playoff implications on the line from a team that everybody rips on in the Houston Texans that just knocked off the Bengals recently. And he comes in and commands an amazing win. Looked very good. Went through the mental reps of playoffs. This dude had a lot to learn, and he did in his rookie year, despite everybody trying to paint a picture like this is his rookie year or something that he's coming into. Like he did absorb so much all year mentally, physically start being on the field multiple times, winning a game that had playoff implications. People are out of their mind. Joe Burrow played 10, barely played 10 games. If I remember it was the 10th game or ninth game in Torres ACL. You could argue that his 
10 played games, eight, nine and a half played games, whatever it ended up being, was the same kind of level of effectiveness and growth opportunity as Trey Lance's experience playing less games, but also going through mental playoff reps and going through an entire offseason the way, or I'm sorry, entire postseason the way he did. I love, I love that people rip on like this. He has one year of small college experience. Then you bring up Randy Moss. You bring up other players and people say, oh, you can't do that. Yes, I can. And I just did. But you can't compare Randy. Yes, I can. And I just did. And I'll continue to do it. Trey Lance is on his way to the moon. To He's the moon. also one of the moon men. The moon men. Dropping loads in outer space. I can only be so clear about this and hammer it home so much. You can, you're either on board or you're not. Don't pretend to be halfway on board later. Don't pretend to be halfway on board later. Uh, 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 please stop comparing Lance to Burrow. He was a Heisman winner. Could be Burrow. He could be Burrow, Aaron. He could be, he could be the next Trey Lance and Burrow, Aaron. You know who said it, Aaron? You know who said Burrow would be Burrow? Smitty. You know who said Mahomes would be the next Peyton Manning and people said Smitty? You can't compare Patrick Mahomes to Peyton Manning, you moron. And you know what I did? I did. I compared him, and guess what happened, Aaron? It happened. I appreciate you. I'm not mad at you. You're not taking a lap, but I won't stop. And I'll continue to do it over and over. Enjoy the ride. And I appreciate whoever just subbed. Please stop. <laughs> be out of your minds. <laughs> be out of your. Take a lap. By the way, this drawing on the board here. I don't know if you can see this. Let me let me move this over. This drawing right here is that, that, that's my that's my uh, uh, that, that's my daughter's bedroom that she's redesigning. Let's take a look at it. I haven't even looked at it yet. Let's see what she expects to do. I don't know if she expects me to. Yep, she wants me to move the bed and the TV. Oh my god, I got a long night in front of me. Hurts then Lance. Let's see. What's it? Aaron, did you reply? Or are you still running? Are you still taking your lap? Trey Lance, league winner. Trey Lance is a fantasy football league winner. Get ready for it. You should start up the uh, panic chamber thing again because I'm, I'm taking a good guess that Gibby's going in the panic chamber right now. Yeah, Gibby. Um, we do do the panic chamber. We already had episode one. Go look a couple videos back. I do so many videos. Uh, who is that? Who said that? Is that Kevin? Kevin, I do so many videos, it's probably 25 videos back now, but it was like last week or something. We did a Panic Chamber episode, we talked about a bunch of good guys, Panic Chamber is back, probably should be weekly from here on out, we may skip a week or two as we head into the season, Waiver Wire video starts in August, I'm going to do those earlier, yeah, because guess what, you're in Dynasty, and yeah, we have the Dynasty channel, make sure you subscribe to the Dynasty channel. Let me drop that link in the description, actually. Subscribe. If you guys are watching, I have a Dynasty channel as well. And uh, you got to subscribe to that or you're going to miss out on Dynasty Mock Drafts, uh, Dynasty Fantasy Football. I'm going to pin that real quickly. Definitely sub to that real quickly. Uh, but, but we still talk about Dynasty Hardcore on this channel. And guess what? Guess what I'm going to be doing? 
waiver wire pickups starting in August, the first week in August, and a lot of it will be Dynasty. But we'll touch on redraft because some of you do redraft early, okay? So, and some of you might be coming out of your draft and need to know what moves to maybe monitor and look at. So my waiver wire content is going to blow everyone's content out of the water in 2022. We're going to take waiver wire in fantasy football to the next level in 2022. To the moon. No one's going to do... Let me repeat this. Nobody... But Smitty, nobody is going to do waiver wire content better than we are. And it all starts in the first week in August. Every single week, we're going to hammer home waiver wire until kickoff. So that week one waiver wire will be like our fifth or sixth episode or whatever. We're going to take home the trophy. Because if you're not first, you're last to waiver wire advice in 2022. Get ready for it. No one's going to hit waivers like your boy Smitty. As for Gibby... He definitely is on the Panic Chamber. He'll be in the Panic Chamber episode this week that we're going to throw out. Definitely hope to do that tomorrow or Friday or Saturday. There will be a Panic Chamber episode this week. Don't you worry. And yes, good guess he will be on that list. Um, Let's see. We got media with the voicemail. I just wanted to add on to kind of the Debo news. So earlier today, before practice, uh, Kyle Shanahan had said that he had a conversation with Debo uh, right before practice. And Debo's agent, Tori Dandy, and the 49ers office have continued to try and get a deal done. So hopefully something happens this week. Yeah, I think him and DK are on the verge of getting those contracts signed. I really do. This is from Munoz. Munoz! Smitty! Munoz! What's going on, my man? Hey, so I wanted to just explore the idea with you. Would it be possible to take two wide receivers in draft in rounds one and two, being that my league mates are not that knowledgeable in rookie running backs, and I can get some type of combination of, like, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, um, Kenneth Walker, and so on and so forth, uh, and later rounds. So, so I, I, you're not talking about rookie draft. I, I think I pick it up. You're saying because your your league doesn't know like deep dive and stuff like the rookies, they're gonna let Brees Hall fall. They're gonna let Walker fall. They're gonna let uh, they probably gonna, they probably won't even know who Algier or Rashad White are. That you could go heavy wide receiver in your redraft. And scoop up rookies only for your running back uh, uh, rotation. I Smitty approved that. You've just been Smitty approved. Absolutely love the idea. Number one, I love an ETN. They're going to be off ETN probably too. But ETN Hall, uh, uh, Kenneth Walker, Tony Pollard, uh, Rashad White, Tyler Algier, all these guys, A.J. Dillon potentially too, Kareem Hunt as a nice emergency running back three or even a really emergency, emergency, emergency running back two rotational piece. Um, yeah, you should be fine. But let me also say this though, Munoz, because I, you'll, you'll be taking a lap from me if you don't deploy best player available. So I approve this if it's best player available approach. So if you're at number six and... Jamar Chase to you is the best player available. Punch it. If you're sitting there in round two and, you know, you got Aaron Jones and you got Tyreek Hill and you got Debo Samuel and you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to get Chase and Debo. I'm going to get whatever. 
Smitty approved. That's when you can deploy that wide receiver, wide receiver pretty effectively. But if you're forcing a wide receiver like Mike Evans at 15 overall, even though some of you are going to say, that's great, I like Mike. I, it's not the value for me. I like Mike Williams, uh, I'm sorry, Mike Evans, a lot lower than that. You know, it doesn't mean that I don't like Mike Evans. I'm just not drafting him where I could still get uh, Swift or Javante. If Javante's on the board in round two, anywhere in round two, he's the number one player to take in all of round two, no matter who falls. I mean, unless Jefferson or Chase or some some crazy fell. Like, no, Javante Williams is the best pick you can find. So you're going to have to, I think, maneuver out of that plan of attack and go Jamar Chase, Javante, but who cares? You're still going to clean up with Brees Hall later. Those things that you talked about won't go away just because you divert a little and take Javante with Jamar Chase. You're still going to get Brees Hall. You're still going to get ETN. You can still start three running backs, I assume, so you'll be fine having uh, a plethora of those guys. And then DK and Waddle, they'll still fall to you because it sounds like they don't know how to draft, and you're going to clean up and be... You've just been Smitty Approved. Appreciate you, Munoz. Uh, I think we've got one more from TM. Yo, Smitty, what do you think about Mac Jones being a top 15 quarterback this year? The wide receiver core. Mac who? Team, what are your thoughts on the Patriots? Mac who? Is that that, that quarterback for the New England Patriots? Uh, I, you know, could he be? Yeah, bro. But, like, we've gone through this. You literally, like, Tom Brady, Derek Carr... Uh, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, like we struggle fitting these guys in a certain order that anybody can be okay with. And that trends into like 14 overall. You know what I mean? Like that literally those guys I just named Dak, Brady, A-Rod, Russell Wilson. Those are like the, 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 the seven to like 14 guys. They're all kind of just all over the place in there. I don't see how on earth anybody's, I mean, super flex, sure. But how on earth anybody's even contemplating starting a guy like Mac Jones when you're struggling to put Stafford and Derek Carr and all these guys into your top 12 and it's overflowing into the 13, 14, and 15 overall quarterback ranking spot and we're having conversations about Tua and and guys like that. If it's super flex, sure. And, And I think he could earn that Maybe in Cousins. Don't get Ron Navy started. And I got your super chat right here, Ron. Ron! To the moon. Ron super chat's right here. Ron, I'm going to it next. Um, we can't have those You can't be starting one of those guys when you, you're struggling to not draft Aaron Rodgers or Stafford or Derek Carr or Russell Wilson. And it's that deep because you got the top four guys and you got Hurts and Trey Lance and, and Lamar and Kyler. It's like you're at you're like eight or nine right there and I haven't even named Brady, Dak. Like, it's crazy. Nobody should be starting Mac, Mr. Mac, McDonald's Mac. Nobody. 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 And Ron, Ron loves Cousins. No, uh, no. Ron Earmuffs. Put your earmuffs on, Ron. Nobody draft Cousins as your starter in a one QB, Okay. Cousins is fantastic. Ron, glad to have you back. Uh, Ron's my boy. Ron dropped the super chat. Ron to the moon. Ron's been here. Can anybody believe Ron's only been here a little over a month? He seems like he's been here for years. Uh, Do you feel 
Greasy has never been a coach and a new QB, uh, 49ers QB coach could have a, a negative effect on Lance or is Greasy just a side note? Um, look, I, I mean, every quarter, every coach is kind of a, uh, a side note and controlled by this egotistical genius of a man named Kyle Shanahan. And I say all that with, with positivity. Like he's egotistical. Look, a lot of people are egotistical. Everybody that that's in in a in a role of trying to command a bunch of different things going on, it has a little bit of an ego. A lot of people say I'm egotistical, but you almost have to have a little bit of that ability to step up and start taking control of things when you've got to command a ship. And I've got to command a ship right now of 178 people. Okay, so you got to come off a little bit like you think you know it all. I get it. It's not always the the funnest you know person to be. Like, you know, a lot of people love to hate a person that comes out and tries to talk a little confident and it comes off a little arrogant. But it's the nature of of when you're in a a role like that, in any kind of role, where you're in front of a bunch of people and you're supposed to step up and take control of the situation. Otherwise, am I going to come in here and go, on a a side note, I've got my top 10 running, I apologize, I have my top 10 running backs. I apologize if this offends anybody. But I have Trey Lance at number... No, you don't like that? Okay, I'll move him down to seven. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, you're going to have to come off a little bit. Like, Kyle Shanahan's egotistical. Okay? And Kyle Shanahan doesn't... He's very, very controlling. And he won't let... He probably won't even give keys or an iPad or an office to Anthony Lynn. Probably... Greasy's probably let into the stadium and, and the facility once a week. This guy controls everything. Okay? He controls everything. It's probably why... You know, McDaniel didn't really fight to stay. He probably said, I got to go be my own. I got to fly. Let me fly. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. So I, I really believe that, that, that Anthony Lynn is bad as he is. And Niner fans don't know this. Niner fans, Blackbeard, you, I, put your earmuffs on Blackbeard. Niner by nature. All my Niner people in here, please put your earmuffs on real quick. This is going to be painful. Anthony Lynn's garbage. He's garbage. Maybe there's a certain skill he has that that Shanahan can pull out of him and literally handcuff him and handcuff him to a pole and say, "This is your job. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna stamp this report over and over with his head with a stamp on it and just continue to do one small task that he's really good at." Then I, Shanahan's capable of that. So could he get the most out of Anthony Lynn and and get that one part that Anthony Lynn's good at and get it out of him? Sure. Maybe, but Anthony Lynn's not running the offense. He's not deciding what happens. Shanahan decides what happens. So you don't have to freak out and say, Smitty just said he's horrible. Greasy's, yeah, Greasy's pieces. <laughs> uh, Greasy, look, he has no experience. No experiment. Uh, uh, Blackbeard, you can take your, your earmuffs off. Um, he has no experience, but I think he's got a very good grasp of the game. And, and I think he could bring a lot of positivity out in Trey and develop him as a quarterback from the psyche and the mind perspective, the emotional perspective, the leadership perspective. And if he's got the talent to help him, then most certainly, uh, most certainly, then Kyle Shanahan's going to release more and more responsibility to Greasy if he sees positive development. But I don't think anything holds him back, to be honest, Ron. I don't think a lot holds this kid back because he's a proven winner and everyone can make fun of his small school. Everybody can make fun of low competition. But every example that I have for... Everybody has a, an example for that. I've got a, a combative uh, rebuttal. 
and that's that this guy's a Walter Payton and Jerry Rice Award winner. This guy threw for 40, he threw for, or scored 42 total touchdowns, ran 14 touchdowns in, had zero INTs on a full college season. He had 40 plus touchdowns and not one interception. And you could say it's low level competition, you can say whatever you want. I don't care. I trust my eyeballs. This is the guy I wanted the Niners to draft before anybody in Ninerville even looked his direction. And the Niner people in here can attest to that that's true. I was pumping this kid up. He needs to go to San Francisco. Shanahan's never had a running quarterback. The Niners always struggle with running quarterbacks on the opposing side of the football. It's always been their Achilles heel. And now the Niners can finally stick it to the division and say, we've got a running quarterback. This guy's different. He also complements all of Shanahan's weaknesses because Shanahan can get in his own head. Shanahan can call bad plays at times. He can take his foot off the gas pedal. And Jimmy G would then collapse if that happened because he was one-dimensional. He wasn't that good. He got carried by the team. Jimmy's not a winner. Stop it. He's not a winner. The team's a winner. Jimmy's not a winner. In 2019, you could make arguments for his development into that kind of quarterback. Post-ACL, no. Stop it. Trey Lance is a winner. Trey Lance is a leader. Jimmy was a leader. Jimmy was a leader in the locker room. The team respected him. He commanded a lot of respect, but he was not a winner. The team was a winner. The team still is a winner. And the team now has a winning quarterback that proved it. Winning those Wal- the Walter Payton Jerry Rice Awards. Throwing for... Uh, are scoring a total of 40 plus TDs, zero INTs, the ability to tuck and run and make great decisions. I'm on board this Trey Lance train. It's happening. It's unraveling. You're either going to watch it and be regretful that you didn't get on board in at least one league, or you're going to get on board now and be really, really happy. Um, that is all of the questions for today. Appreciate you, Munoz. Um, so thank you for the question, Ron. Thank you for the super chat, Ron. Thank you, everybody, for everything you did today. Uh, I'm going to have to call this this show short. i got to go on Instagram and do a draft order for an expert league that I'm doing. You guys can join me over there if you want. I appreciate appreciate every one of you in here. There's uh, 166 eyeballs in here, 134 thumbs up. We're taking this show to the moon. And as I promised you, we will be the best waiver wire show you have ever seen in fantasy football history, just wait for the way we do waiver wire, the way we do everything, the way we do buy low, sell high. The panic chamber is already back. Go watch episode one, a few videos back. We go live every single day, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. We go live essentially every night or at least you know two nights off a week. I might take, I took last night off because I did double live streams and then I did a whole lot of live streaming on Instagram. I was live for like seven straight hours on and off, like, you know, jumping from one to the next. And and so I had to take a little break, but we're doing it live. We're doing it in ways that I think have never been done this season. Last year, we weren't Monday through Friday. We're going to take the fantasy football space by storm. Get your one-on-one text device, your on-demand text device with me at the fantasy football show. And Underdog Fantasy, play Underdog Fantasy. Link is down in the description. Use promo code SMITTY and start taking advantage of DK in round five. Joe Burrow had his appendix taken out. I'm sure he's going to fall in the mid-six right now. You you can't get better. You can't get better than, than Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, a short show, we went an hour and 20 minutes. That's short for me. I'll see you all tomorrow at 7 p.m. unless news breaks. I go live whenever news breaks, so if news breaks earlier than the show, you know I'm going live. 
tell your grandma, tell everybody. People are getting burrowed left and get breached. People are getting burrowed left and right. Get lamb. Get breached. Get breached. Get breached. Get breached.